you know, I always talk about it's about the music scene. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's not about. It's about the scene. And the scene to me is the artists and the venues and the fans. And when all of that comes together in those moments when people really listen and the artist is really, you know, expressing themselves freely, well, that's magic, right? I mean, that's like sell my clothes, I'm going to heaven and stuff. <laughs> Well, welcome back, everybody. Back here at the Write Songs You Love podcast, and this is an, this is a rare opportunity again where I actually have my guest live in the studio. <laughs> There's been so many. I was just reflecting actually. Today is the 85th episode of this since it started, and all of those except maybe about three have <laughs> been online, and and just with people from different cities and whatnot. But I'd say that where I'm based in Kelowna, British Columbia, Canada, the very first guest I ever had actually was Jody B, who is a local. And it's been neat to connect with different locals around my area now. And this is where I grew up. So it's it's just really cool to get a, a sense of what's happening in the music scene and who's doing what and just all the cool stories that are out there. And about a year and a half ago, when Shara, my wife, and I moved back here, we uh, one of the first things that I had done was I connected with a good friend of mine that I knew from high school that was living here. And he's like, you got to go out to the, why don't we go meet up at this venue called the Barn Owl? And, and we went there and it's this beautiful, beautiful space that is literally in this old heritage barn. It's a brewery now, but they have this upper loft that is just a magic kind of space that's just really nice woodsy feel and and it just so happened it was a Wednesday night and they had music going on and another local who I'd love to get on here in the future here is that what who's playing was Kaylee McGuire and I had never heard her or seen her before and it was great it was just such an awesome ambiance great to catch up with my friend but great to hear the music and then I had played around a few places at Redbird just in the open mic or whatnot and I saw one of the regulars there named Peter, who is everywhere. Like Peter everywhere. is everywhere in the music city too, just uh, listening to listening to music and is a huge supporter. And and you and then my guest today, Miles, was also sitting with Peter. <laughs> and that's when we first started chatting and and just rapidly started jumping into stories and sharing. And I knew instantly that that Miles just had so many really interesting insights and adventures and just wisdom under the belt, but also could just tell like there's a, a kind of magic with Miles uh, of, of how, how much he appreciates the music community and how much music has, has had a role in his life of just seemingly bringing like really, really, really great memories and great moments. And, and I think right at that very moment, we're like, oh yeah, we got to, we just got to talk more. <laughs> we got to sit down sometime. And so it was pretty instantaneous. And, and uh, so it's it's a thrill to have uh, Miles O'Vern on on the show today. So welcome, Miles. <laughs> well, thank you. I'm, I'm happy to be here. <laughs> well, it's neat too because for me, it's a it's a really unique experience coming back, moving into Kelowna. And after being away for a lot of years, I would come back and visit. But I really felt Vancouver. I had established a, a, quite a community, and I was I grew into be somebody who created a lot of space and wanted to showcase and highlight other songwriters stories and really 
build up that music community because I, I was seeing this. I was like, this is awesome. There's so many great artists here. There's so many great stories. There's so much good music that a lot of people just never know about, you know, and it's uh, it's oftentimes when people ask, oh, what are you, who are you listening to? Or like, who are your favorite artists? And who is this kind of thing? Like, oftentimes we, we grab on to these big, big, big name artists, you know, like that's, that's normal. And, and for a lot of years now, most of my time has just been spent around local artists. And, and to be honest, I, I don't, I kind of stopped following bigger artists completely <laughs> and, and just really so much enjoyed. It felt like I really started becoming more influenced by the people that I got to hear and see and know. And, and that felt a different layer of special and a different layer of connection and, and it's just super unique. And so then coming coming to Kelowna and seeing that Miles is someone who runs a website where he's letting everybody know like who's playing where and who's doing what, and also keeping keeping track and just like creating stats of like how much music is happening in the city and and showing that over time and showing that growth. And it's so cool, like all of the ways that you're doing, but you're uh, engaging with the community. But you 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 also get to know everybody so well and and seem to have you know, like that same drive and that same passion to be like, doesn't everybody see this? <laughs> like, everybody <laughs> should see this. Everybody should hear this. Well, you know, and I'm so glad you, you know, set this up in your preamble talking about Barn Owl and about Kaylee because it's just a perfect example of, you know, the level of quality that is here. You know, Barn Owl Brewing is maybe the most true listening room in, in Kelowna. Uh, there are some other really good continues that, that I've become aware of lately, but Barnell is a very special place. I, I believe there's musical magic in the walls of that heritage barn. I really do. Mm. And hearing Kaylee there and having people listen instead of talking over her and just becoming aware of how much nuance there is in her voice, mm -hmm. uh, how she accompanies her voice so well with her guitar playing and the stories, you know, the lyric content is absolutely astounding uh, Kaylee you know belongs on a on a bigger stage she belongs on a national stage and, and I truly believe that she will get there and it was so fun meeting you that night and seeing you also you know I don't I don't know if I want to say being taken aback but pulled into what Kaylee was doing and and what the room and her were offering um, so for me with my whole thing about EI Kelowna, shameless plug, no, Kelowna.com, yeah. uh, is, you know, I always talk about it's about the music scene. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's not about, it's about the scene. And the scene to me is the artists and the venues and the fans. Mm -hmm. And when all of that comes together in those moments when people really listen and the artist is really, you know, expressing themselves freely, well, that's magic, right? Mm -hmm. That's like sell my clothes, I'm going to heaven stuff. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, and, it, and it's cool too because, like, when I was thinking about you in general, just what you're doing, uh, you have like a really defined ear and a defined eye. And I want to talk about those differently. And so, like, in terms of the ear and and, and just in songwriting and music, how how did music enter your life, and how did how did that show up kind of initially? Well, my dad was a classical guitar player, so. Um, and he didn't play, you know, I, I don't recall him playing when I was really young, but probably by the time I was getting into elementary school, dad had got himself another classical guitar and, and, and was playing. And he was a wonderful player in terms of 
feel. I mean, he he would say to me when I was in my teens that I had surpassed him as far as technique goes. And it's like, yeah, well, I'll, I'll give up some of that technique if I can have that feel. Thank you very much, right? <laughs> so he was always uh, a neat influence. And, and mom and dad just had a really neat record collection. So, you know, I'm, I'm an, a little bit older now than I used to be. And so we were listening to Frank Sinatra and Perry Como and Andy Williams and those sorts of people. So the arrangements, the band arrangements and whatnot, you're hearing those records were absolutely stellar. And they were Frank Sinatra. I mean, they're great singers too. Mm -hmm. So that was always around. So we were always listening to that. Uh, and then, you know, I think if I'm going to go there, I guess I'll go there. I, I, the first time I, I realized that, hey, I want to do that. Uh, back in those days, I think we had three TV channels, mm -hmm. and I was turned on TV, and it was a Tommy Hunter show. And Tommy Hunter was singing that song of his that he, you know, started every show with. I went, "That's what I want to do. Hmm. I want to, I want to do that. That's that's who I am, right?" Um, so that's kind of how it started, and then from there it was just a whole, you know, fortuitous sequence of insane meetings with people that I, you know, had no right being in the company of, but the universe kind of opened itself and, and created these huge open doors that I was at least smart enough to walk through. Hmm. So in terms of catching that bug, like how long was it before that kind of inciting incident to when you actually started writing for yourself? Well, I started writing um, short stories and fables and whatnot when I was still in elementary school. Hmm. I've always been a writer. That's it's, it's never, I've never been anything other than that. Mm -hmm. um, and then turning that into music, uh, you know, once, once dad started playing and, and I got a guitar and, and started messing around on it and it wasn't pretty in the early days. I, it was messing around on it. It's like, <laughs> well, I've got these poems, I've got these stories, I've got this instrument and you know, Tommy Hunter does that. I mean, let's let's give it a shot, right? And as soon as I started doing this, like, oh my gosh, this is this is so neat because, you know, John O'Donohue, one of my favorite poets of all time, mm -hmm. uh, famously said, "Music is what words would be if they could." <laughs> and this is coming from a brilliant poet. Totally right. So I thought, yeah, right. So that's kind of like, it's just, as soon as I started doing that, it was like the whole universe just opened up into whole other dimensions. It's like, and seeing the impact that the combination of melody and harmony and rhythm with lyrics, the impact that could have on people, mm -hmm. total strangers. Boom, it was like, okay, this is really cool. So yeah. And, and then came all those, you know, crazy, you know, meetings with, um, with people like Chris Christopherson and Gordon Lightfoot and Sean Phillips and, and whatnot. That just, that that sealed the deal for me. So how did that happen? Like what was the first first person like that that you met and like how did that come about? So I guess, I, the, I think the first person uh, who to this day is is remained a huge mentor and, and a good friend is is a folk, folk singer, folk rock singer from back in the day named Sean Phillips. Uh, amazing musician. A vocalist with, I think, five and a half octave vocal range. Wow. Yep. Um, whose father was a was a famous poet, wrote under the name James Attlee. Um, Sean Phillips. I, my oldest son is named Sean Attlee. 
<laughs> so that's how strong that influence is. And, I, you know, I had, um, people can't see me, but I, I wear my hair a little bit long, as, as you do, that I often describe myself as, as a cross between um, a cosmic cowboy and a digital hippie. <laughs> so that's, that's, and, you know, I'm in the record store back in the days when they had record stores and big bins and you flip through the records and I'd never heard of Sean Phillips before, but I, I flipped open the rack and there was the picture of him on his second contribution album in which his hair was long and out in front. He's wearing his big black cape and all that. And I went, okay, well, this is cool. So I pick it out of there and I flip it over and the name of the first song, this is just the title of the song is... She was waiting for her mother at the station in Torino, and you know I love you, baby, but it's getting too heavy to laugh. <laughs> That's more words than many pop songs that I have in the entire song. Or albums sometimes. Yeah. Right? And, it's, <laughs> and, and I bought the thing, and, and I listened to it, and I couldn't stop listening to it. I mean, the lyrics were so profound, um, and yet so able to connect and, and to pierce and... and uh, yeah, and so Sean Phillips was coming to town in, in Edmonton. He was playing the Jubilee Auditorium, and I'd, I'd lied to get my way back in. I'll, I'll admit that. I took him <laughs> way back in stage. And here's this guy that, that I idolize, and he's and I've always been very well-read. That's, that's a whole other conversation for another day. Um, but here's a, I walk in backstage, and he's in the middle of the stage at the Jubilee Auditorium with one of those, back in the day, you used to have these little propellers on a cylinder, little wooden stick, and a little plastic propeller. Clicking it and watching you go up to the you know the highest part of the theater and come back down again catching it. And oh yeah, yeah. This is and in my mind. It's like what? <laughs> <laughs> but we just connected and you know we hit it off. We became fast friends and I ended up would book him into places in in the Okanagan here and down on the coast and helping him haul his gear around and just spending lots of time with the man and and he along with Chris Christopherson are clearly to this day the, the single biggest influencers on me as a writer. Mm -hmm. And then with Chris, it was um, back in the day, Edmonton, back in those days when big bands or artists came up to Canada, they would play Vancouver. Mm -hmm. And then they go back down to the States, they played Toronto and Montreal. Totally. Right? And that, that was the way that it was. That was the, the, all the economics would allow. Yeah. Um, so... Back then, we would get maybe two or three major shows a year in Edmonton. But that particular year, and I think this is 1974, if memory serves, um, they instituted in Klondike Days their Calvacate Stars. Uh, for, so for the whole 12 days of Klondike Days, they would have a major artist in every day. Well, hmm. this changed the whole ball game. Hmm. And Gordon Lightfoot was playing one night, and Chris Christopherson was playing the night after. So I went out to watch... Gordon's show. And in those days, anybody was allowed to walk up and take some pictures of the artist with their camera mm -hmm. for the first couple of songs. And then they'd ask you back to, to your seat. Right. So I took my camera because I was a photographer already. And, and I walked up front and I'm taking pictures. Out of the court of my eye, I see Chris Christopherson and Rita Coolidge in the wings. And my mind is blown and it's spinning. It's like, oh my gosh, how do I meet this man? Right. So I'm just running through all the scenarios as I'm taking pictures of Lightfoot. And eventually the usherette comes along and she, and she sends everybody back to the seats and she gets to me and I'm sorry, sir, you'll, you'll have to go back to your seat. And, and I said, excuse me, don't you know who I am? Like I'm anybody, right? My <laughs> mom barely knew who I was with a family of five brothers. Um, 
And she goes, no. And I point up at Gord, mid-song above me, and I say, I'm Gord's personal photographer. He flew me in from Toronto this morning to shoot the show. Um, I don't need this, right? So she says, oh, I'm so sorry. She's apologized. She shouldn't be apologized. I'm lying. So, like, it's just awful. But but I, it, Chris Christopherson, right? He, he was my idol. I had to meet the guy. So she says, well, you have to talk to the promoter. And the promoter was Tommy Banks. I grew up in Edmonton. Everybody in Edmonton knows who Tommy Banks is and, and was and what he did for the music and just how great an artist he was. So I walked up to him and I said, so who's this Tommy Banks jerk? And knowing full well who he is, right? So, well, that's me, right? So I go through the whole spiel and next thing I know, I've got a backstage pass. <laughs> <laughs> you know, plastered on my chest. So now I saunter back to the front of the stage, take some more photos, right? I'm feeling it. And I walk around to the other side and I just walk through the backstage gate because I got my backstage pass. And long story shorter, um, you know, at the end of the show, after Chris is done, I find myself in this surreal situation where there's three people in a conversation, you know, the legend Gordon Lightfoot, the legend Chris Christopherson, and me as a 17-year-old writer. <laughs> and it's like, okay. Uh, and Chris and I hit it off. And, uh, you know, the, the little bit longer part of that story is, is his lead guitar player and musical director was Stephen Bruton. And Stephen and I became very, very, very good friends. And would talk often and he would invite me down to sit in with some bands when he was playing in California and all that kind of stuff. And it was really cool. Hmm. Um, but that just, again, that led to decades long relationships and friendships and, and exposure to writers and writing and, and creative brilliance and, and lyrics that are just can be appreciated on so many levels. So yeah, I was pretty lucky with, with both of those guys and, and, and all the groups around them. Hmm. Well, this is this is great. This is a neat segue because, like I said, you kind of got the ear and the eye, and this is the eye that I think of like your photography, of like how that really has been an, an interesting open doorway for you in a lot of scenarios, and that that became like another factor of this, right? That that you. It's funny that you said, "Oh, you flew me out, or I do this," but you you did that did start happening. <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, uh, I know Jody says this, Jody B is just like, words are spells, you know, like <laughs> when you say something like that. So I'm just kind of curious how how that interplayed with your musical side, but also your photography side of getting to kind of have that be somewhat of a traveling tornado. <laughs> well, and, and it did very much become that. And in both of those situations, I had my camera with me and took mm -hmm. pictures of both Sean Phillips and, and Chris Christopherson, of course, Gordon Lake with the night before. I got into photography when I was still in high school and through my older brother, Dwayne, who got into it first and had put a darkroom in and beside his bedroom and all that kind of stuff. And, mm -hmm. and before I knew it, I was shooting Edmonton Oiler games back when they were still in WHA and all that. And, and because I love music so much, I just wanted to shoot musicians. Um, and, and I think, you know, I think being a musician, being a writer, being a, a creative person is just a massive advantage to me as, as a concert photographer mm -hmm. because I'm for, for me when I'm shooting it's all about capturing the essence of, of the subject whether I'm shooting a, a model and in a photo shoot or whether I'm shooting you know live music performers it's who are they in this moment mm -hmm. you know what are they showing me and why and what aren't they showing me and why mm -hmm. these are the questions that go through my mind so it wasn't it long 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 since it ceased being what f-stop should I be at what shutter speed all of that it was like Okay, what of their soul can I capture? What you know, what of what they're gifting out of out of their gifting to to that audience, 
can I, you know, freeze in, in, in an image that, that can take people right back there. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I really truly believe that the right image can do that. Just as the right song, we, we talk, you know, people talk about the soundtrack of our lives and how songs can take you back to a place and a person and a thing and smells and I mean, the whole totally. thing. Yeah, yeah. I, I believe a photo can do that if executed well. So, so yeah, I just started, you know, once I'd gotten into a few shows that way, I just started showing up and everybody started assuming I belonged there. I didn't even have to say anything to anybody, I just walked in. So I was covering all the shows that, you know, all the major shows at the events in Edmonton back at the time. And, and then when I moved, um, I spent some time in California for a while. And then when, you know, when I popped back to Edmonton, moved up to Vancouver, I just started doing it there. And then, you know, long, again, another whole long story, because I'm old enough to have long stories. Um, <laughs> I've been so blessed, Michael, I really have to, to have been invited by artists like you two to shoot them in multiple cities, to be invited down to LA, you know, by other Grammy-winning artists to shoot them at, you know, Catalina's, you know, jazz club in North Hollywood and all that kind of stuff, and down to Seattle to shoot people who hadn't allowed for photographers in 20 years, mm-hmm. but whose managers had seen my work and said, you need to let Miles come shoot you. That's so humbling. It's amazing. Like, it's, I, I don't even know how to, to verbalize how humbling that is, so... But that's what I try to do for them. And for, for me, if they're willing to put everything they are and everything they've been and every experience that they've lived through into a song and then perform that song, I have to be in at least that much if I'm shooting them to honor what they've done. So for me, that's, you know, that's what drives me as a photographer or pulls me. I don't think it drives me. It pulls me mm-hmm. to be in that moment, to be responding to what I'm seeing and hearing and and it's it's a really neat place being in the photo pit at a big show mm-hmm. because there's this little bit of space. And on one side, there's the artist. And on the other side, there's the audience. And as you know, as a performer, mm-hmm. you know, there's the energy that the artist gives out. And, and then there's the energy that the audience returns. And on a magical night, that's a continuous thing. It's, it's almost like a tantric thing where there's just this sharing, it's a shared moment, you know, and shared breath, shared sensations. It's, it's to be standing there in the middle of that, to feel that and, and to have that also, not impacting, but influencing, you know, what I shoot. It's just a fun place to be. So, no kidding. you know, when COVID hit and the whole touring industry, you know, screeched to a halt, mm-hmm. It was like, okay, well, I guess I'm not going to be doing that for a while. So what can I do for the local scene? And I'd been running EI Kelowna for a number of years. Um, but I, again, I was often being pulled off to other cities to shoot things. And it was like, what can I do for the local scene? So I just determined that I was going to shoot as many local artists as I could in local venues, you know, in an effort to create awareness for them and also to give them access to some, uh, some, some really good shots that they could use to market themselves. So... Um, between, you know, 2021 and 2022 combined, Mm -hmm. I shot over 480 shows of local artists. Oh, wow. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So it was fun, you know, uh, and artists were so appreciative of it, you know, because most of them certainly don't have the money to do a publicity shoot. Um, and the big media companies only cover the big shows, right? So they, they can't get a square inch of coverage anywhere, um, and and certainly you know they're very accustomed to never having a good photograph taken of them. Mm-hmm. So to be able to gift that back to, to the community, to the scene at that point in time, felt really good to do that. Right on. 
Mm-hmm. Hmm. Uh, there's something really magical too that when you talk about that space between our, uh, the artist on stage and the audience, and like again, you're there as an eye, kind of the the, the care and delicate touch. It, it sounds like you you have your radar sensing t- for you know these certain moments and certain kind of ways that this can capture. And it sounds cool to hear like your background in writing and story and like that that feels like that's fueling that you know like you're looking for that and. And that the photographer, you know, like the person who's literally in the middle of that energy exchange is such a unique vantage point. And I love how you put that, how you put focus into that. I'm curious, in in your songwriting journey, have you ever written about photography? <laughs> that's, a, that's a very interesting question. And no, I haven't. Um, so, so you, as, as this wonderful person who has this Write songs you love, program would probably tell me I should be writing something about that, <laughs> and I probably should. You know, it's it's um, you know I, I think good photographers and and good writers, regardless of genre, you know, tend to be great observers of people. Uh, they see, you know, beyond that, and and um, you know, I'll, I'll do a, a massive aside here, and, and you can feel free to include or not. <laughs> but uh, when, when I was, you know, 25, I lost a brother to suicide. Mm-hmm. And um, he had called me a couple of days before, which was very unusual for him. We had a nice long conversation. I tried to, you know, talk him to coming out to Vancouver where he's living at the time and all that. And, you know, we ended the phone call and then a couple of days later I get the news that, that he's gone. And, and, I, and I, I, was, I was devastated that I didn't pick up on that. Like, how could, like, how could I not, right? As, as his brother, you know, as someone who loves him that much, how can I not pick up on that? And it really, really, you know, um, set me back. And, and I was angry. I was angry at God, as every, we all get angry at God when bad stuff happens. And, and I remember demanding that he give me the ability to see people's pain. Um, and God being who he is, he said, okay, <laughs> I'll do that. Um, and it was, you know, life-changing in, in a way that still is very impactful for me because after, after, because it was a very honest prayer and a very intense prayer, every time I would meet somebody, I would literally see their pain and I would see what caused their pain. Hmm. And the problem, Michael, was that I saw it with everybody. Mm-hmm. I had no filter. I had no way of, because of, this was all new. So I had to develop this ability to, to, not go there to not allow myself to see it only when invited in mm-hmm. right so for me when artists are out performing they're inviting us into their world mm-hmm. so i think part of that comes from that experience uh, you know of most artistic people are are healing from something <laughs> uh it seems to be a source of creativity for for a lot of human beings whether it's you know creativity and in, in in homemaking where there's creativity and, and doing what some people would consider a mundane task, there's this opportunity to do it artistically and through that gain some level of progress and healing in what they do. So I, I, th- I believe that it informs my photography and, and my re- review writing and my interviewing and all of that. Um, so that's, that's, that's part of the story of, of who I am and how I got to be this messed up. <laughs> well, thank you for sharing that. Yeah, it's, I think that's one of the hardest things to try to comprehend is suicide. Like uh, I've had experiences with that on many levels with friends or, you know, other family or 
it's tough. It's just it's a tough one to make sense of, and how to figure out what what to, what to do or what you could have done or any of that is is a def, is a big one. Um, but like you're saying, then having having this this depth of an experience change and your perception really shift to the degree yeah. of like. How I'm I'm really curious because that, that's I'm glad you touched on that it was going to be a question of it, when if you then can see this you know like how how was it that you were able to scale that back or like how did how do you deal with that how did you find those boundaries boy how, how did I learn to rein it in so yeah. it wasn't so overpowering yeah uh, I just I guess I just sort of made a well, I had the realization okay if if I'm going to be given this gift <laughs> I'll use that term liberally. Um, there's zero chance that it's for my sole benefit, right? That's just, it, nobody would be given a gift like that for their own amusement or entertainment, right? So it's like, okay, um, so how do I honor that properly? What What is what is the way of framing that in my own mind where it's, um, where it's not abused and, and where this can be truly genuinely helpful for the people that, that cross paths with so i just i i, I don't know I, I man if i could you know express that in words i, I would but i'm finding my trouble doing that i just about said okay well this is their private story it's their story to tell mm -hmm. in their time um so i need to be respectful of that so if people show me that and some people you know never want to show anybody anything they they, they their way of processing it is different than mine and probably different than yours so we all have different ways of processing things other people really need to have their wound witnessed mm -hmm. uh, and they reach a point where they're they're looking for somebody that they can trust to share it with mm -hmm. who can just witness it who isn't going to go into the mode of trying to fix it or solve it mm -hmm. or anything but can just genuinely witness it and acknowledge it um so somehow some way i i I found a way to to get to that place. And I'm grateful that I did because I can get through a day now. <laughs> yeah. Well, how how does that look for you? Like it, it, in in a sense, like how does that feel in your own in your own right of that? You you're able to have this ability to witness it. And others, how do, how is it for yourself? Like do you find that in your writing or your for well in Oh some, sure. I mean yeah, it, like, things like that. I mean, uh, you know, a recent tune that I wrote that I entitled Distant Lovers you know, has an opening stanza of, um, I watched you moving to my window, all those thoughts in your head. You can spend this whole night in a heartache or you can spend it in my bed. Right? And it's trying to speak to the fact that, you know, often, you know, we think we're, we think we're there, we think we're past all the stuff, but the moment we reach a, a place where real intimacy with another person is, is in the offing, mm. right? Um, stuff comes up, rears its ugly head, so to speak, like it, with an immediacy and intensity that is, that is hard to fathom. So, you know, that was that's sort of a composite of, of, a, of a, a few women in, that I've known in relationships that I've been in where, where that became very clear to me that that's what was going on. And in that moment, all of that past hurt came back to them and the fear of not wanting to be hurt again. So. I mean, it's a very sensual song. I'm a, I'm a very sensual writer, so we won't talk about the rest of the lyric. Um, but, you know, it's, it's made it into many other songs as well. Um, 
you know, one of the things that, that I I think I shared with Chris and, and why we, you know, why he became such an influence, we got along so well, we were able to have the conversations that we did about writing, is he was, for, for his time, he was a very sensual writer in, in the genre of country music. Mm -hmm. and, and I was already writing that central or more, so we just, you know, sometimes the other guys in the band would just shake their heads, right? Like, <laughs> you guys sure about this? Um, but can you uh, make the band blush? Is a good sign. Well, <laughs> right in the right direction. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, all of us crave that. I mean, I listened to one of your recent uh, podcasts a couple sessions ago. I think talking about connection. Was it the last one or the one before that? Mm, the last one. Yeah. 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 Right. And you're talking about that that need that we have for for genuine connection and. You know, um, life online isn't helping that. You know, social media should be, you know, I think it's a misnomer. It should almost be called anti-social media. Um, everybody's looking for authenticity, especially in, in a postmodern world. Um, and, and to my way of thinking, you know, okay, we want, we want to be, we want to recognize this as postmodern, but postmodern implies pre-something. So what is the pre-something? That's what gets me, my juices going. And, mm -hmm. you know, where can we move to out of this? What, what, you know, with institutions no longer being held in the esteem that they were, and, you know, whether they're governmental or religious or, or whatever, we're, you know, people are hungering for authenticity, but they're not finding it online. Generally speaking, you know, it's, it's a whole lot of people trying to project an image of themselves that doesn't match who, you know, their real life at all. So... You know, I think that is the opportunity for creative people in every genre, whether it's painting, whether it's sculpture, whether it's music, whether it's, you know, poetry or prose. Um, I think that opportunity is there. And, and I don't want to call it a responsibility or an obligation, but it borders on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Well, I'm, I'm curious just to kind of take that and run into another area if like uh, that was i don't know why i was thinking about this i don't think i don't think i've ever asked anybody this question but um if you were to fill in the blank to say like songwriting is blank to me <laughs> what, what would you answer for that well there are days when songwriting is blank to me <laughs> when nothing comes um <laughs> what is it um You know, it's, it always has a potential to be of healing, mm -hmm. often to me, often to the subject, often to anybody who hears it, right? When, when I write a song, and you may feel the same way, when I finish writing it, it's my song, but the moment I perform it, it has potentially a different meaning to every single person who hears it, so is it still my song? Um, I mean intellectual you know property rights wise yeah but beyond that is it i don't know um I, i've been blessed with you know being in situations where after having played somewhere i've had somebody track me down so i've been trying to find you for three months so I, I needed to tell you that hearing you play released me from bondages that i've been under for decades hmm. and it's like like wow okay <laughs> like wow thank you that has nothing to do with me right uh, but i'm i'm glad that you were able to pull that out of that and that it was able to speak to you in that way hmm. um, so you know that that's something that goes way beyond our individual gifting 
you know, I believe that we're all connected. Uh, I, I believe that very passionately that, that any, any notion of separateness is a notion and is an illusion. Um, so I think any, you know, creative endeavor and free songwriting is that it's an opportunity for healing. Um, it's an opportunity for expression as well, right? It, mm -hmm. You know, um, I, I've written all sorts of songs that I've never performed and never intended to perform that were very cathartic in, mm -hmm. in their writing. You know, songs like um, "Even in a Real Bad Dream, Love's Still Better Than This," mm. <laughs> <laughs> which you can imagine the places a song like that might go, and <laughs> you know, a good song to write and, and fun and clever and all of that kind of stuff, but. But, you know, is there potential for it to be of healing? Hmm. I don't know, right? So do I, do I want to be putting that out there when, when there are other things that, you know, can be um, that poignant or more, mm -hmm. but possessing of that potential for healing? Right. That's where I'd rather, that's what I would rather put out to the world. Do you notice a difference, I guess, in terms of that healing or the the overall impact or what? how you feel maybe an affinity for certain songs more than others uh, between ones that you've kept for yourself versus ones that you have shared and then have been able to kind of see or hear back impact? Well, um, <clears throat> boy, that's a, that's a very interesting question. So the example of that, that last song that I, that I quoted the stanza from, mm -hmm. um, I had done my first open mic performance, my first live performance in front of people in 10 years. And I shared that song. And so many women came up to me after that and just thanked me for those lyrics and, um, and told me how, how deeply I spoke to them, you know. And, and I introduced the song by talking about how, from a male perspective, from this particular male's perspective, um, that women seem to love differently than men do, you know, both physically and emotionally. So the loss of that uh, weighs differently and stays in a different way for, for many of them. I mean, that's, a, that's obviously a massive generalization about guys and about girls. But so for, for them, for so many to be touched by that, it's like, okay, yeah, that was kind of what, that wasn't the intention for writing the song, but, but I recognize the potential of having that effect in it. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, you know, um, so I don't know whether it's, you know, what aspect of it, you know, made it have that impact. You know, I think maybe perhaps just trying to see things from more than just my own perspective. Mm -hmm. hmm. How, how are you finding now? I find like, I can look back in my life and notice that there are certain phases of time where it seemed like my songwriting compass was pulling me in one direction. It's like, you need to explore this, do it. And then after doing that, it, it, it leads you into different places or other things just happen organically and naturally. And then it's like, okay, now this kind of subject matter, this idea, it really seems important. Kind of curious now, like for you in this moment, like what, what feels like your songwriting compass is really most... Holy smokes, that's a true. very interesting question. I mean, I grew up in what was considered by many to be the golden era, the singer-songwriter era of the 70s. That's when I was hanging out with all those great writers and mm -hmm. playing a lot and traveling a lot and all of that. And um, that, that was an age in which being different from everybody else was not just appreciated, it was required. Right. You couldn't sound like another artist or you were dead. Your career was over. 
Um, and people were writing protest songs. I mean, the 60s were like the protest era, mm -hmm. but there was still a lot of protest stuff being written, you know, in the 70s. And, and it almost feels like, and again, this is an overstatement, that, you know, rap or hip hop is the only genre currently that really allows for that or, or you know, goes as far as celebrates that. Um, so pop has, and, and there's a lot of brilliant pop artists today, mm -hmm. but that, that seems to be less of a thing in pop music these days. I mean, I, I mean, I was listening to, um, uh, why is the name gone? Um, Marvin Gaye. Mm -hmm. What a brilliant writer. And writing protest songs that were so listenable and so commercial and felt so good. And here, I mean, hard truths are being shared, but in a, in a way that makes them easily to accept and assimilate and, and, and bring into your understanding of the world and broadening your perspective. I mean, I, I don't know that there'll ever be another Marvin Gaye. Um, I have a lot of respect for him, but, but, you know, lately, you know, getting into the, covering as many shows, 480 shows over the last couple of years, I became aware of so many local musicians that are brilliant songwriters that I had no idea even existed. And so many of them have become major influences. And if I may, you know, I'll, I'll point out that, uh, there's a young female singer songwriter in town named Nevea Dyson who, when I first saw her perform, she was 15, and I stumbled upon her uh, performing at the Vibrant Vine on the outdoor stage, and mm -hmm. I walked around the corner with my camera, and you know, even as I got out of the car, I could hear the, the specialness of that voice. And I walked around the corner, and I see this kid, you know, singing these songs with such incredible nuance and dynamics in her voice and, and whatnot, and they got to know her and, and hang out with her quite a bit, and even got to play with her on, on one of her songs at, at Redbird, you know, at Nestfest and, and once at Barnell as well. And I mean, that's what I did a lot of my life was being a hired gun more than, than being a, the show, as it were. And just the opportunity to play with somebody like that, who's writing such beautiful melodies and has such an incredible voice. And if you have, you know, any ears at all, you just you just have to think, man, I need to stay out of the way of this. I need to find something that supports this expression, this this telling of a story, this this voice and this melody. So that just I mean, I I a, a recent song that I'm not quite finished yet is very much influenced by by her melodic approach. You know, there are other great songwriters in town like Norm Strauss and Graham Ord who mm -hmm. just decades of experience of writing brilliant songs and who are also incredible storytellers. Mm -hmm. Wow. You know, these are the people that, to me, um, I shouldn't say need to be more appreciated. They aren't appreciated enough. But my, my wish is that more people would become aware that, oh, okay, there is something other than the big, you know, Redbird experience of a bunch of people packed into a place and the music bumping loud. And, and that's yeah. great for in its own way, right? Mm -hmm. But for places like, you know, Barnell Brewing and the Micro Bar and Bites and, and Shaker's Cocktail Lounge on the West Side not becoming that way, where people actually go there to listen to the music and want want to know the stories and, and listen to the songs and, and where they can go, oh my gosh, how does Katie do that with her voice? Or, you know, you know that to me is, is um, just a, one other aspect of how rich and how broad 
you know, the, the musical community is in Kelowna. Mm -hmm. It's pretty wild. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah, it's, uh, there's a lot of gems if you look, <laughs> you know, like there's, there's so many around all the time and, and yeah, I'm always super thankful for, for people like you that are being that extra kind of signal flare to say like, hey, everybody, <laughs> just in case you missed, here we are, you know, like, check it out. This is amazing. <laughs> it's, it's, it's really valued. And I would say it's in, in some ways a necessity. I think like we all kind of have to cheerlead for each other, you know, and, and you do such a great job of that. So I just okay. wanted to yeah, extend a lot of gratitude to what you do. And it's, uh, it's felt greatly by everybody in the community and, and everybody that, like you said, like the whole idea of feeling seen and like how many ways you're able to do that uh, and have done, sounds like all your, most of your life, you know, with, with what you've been doing and just being there for people, you know, like being, like you said, the witnessing of a wound, you know, um, through the photography to like really capturing who someone really feels that they are, you know, to that, mm -hmm. that really does magic, magic openings everywhere you go. So it's really beautiful. You're much too kind. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe just, uh, I'll ask you, ask you one more question um, and then we'll, well, just before we ask you that, where's, so EI Kelowna, is mm -hmm. that the best place for, for, I know that like you're always doing things, you're letting people know about other musicians and mm -hmm. what's going on in Kelowna, but what about you? Like, what about for, where do people find you specifically <laughs> and your music? Well, eikelowna.com and, and I want to specify that because yes, we have a Facebook page for EI Kelowna and yes, mm -hmm. we have a YouTube channel and yes, we have Twitter and Instagram and all that. Um, but one of, one of the things, one of the messages that I'm trying to get out there uh, to both musicians and venues is, is that social media in and of itself is unable to accomplish what they're hoping it to do for them. And what I mean by that, Michael, is that just before COVID hit, I was invited into a meeting uh, with a bunch of venue managers in town and, and artists and whatnot. And they were all bemoaning the fact that you know, people aren't hearing about them and, mm -hmm. and, and they're posting and, and, and all that. And I said, well, you're asking it to do something for you that it can't. And I said, I said, they're marvelous at, you know, giving you the addiction components. So when you do your post, boom, it's immediately there on Facebook. And that feels really good. But I said, what happens eight seconds later? Somebody else has a post and yours goes down one on, on, on your phone, right? Mm -hmm. And then 12 seconds after that, somebody else has another post and you're not even, you're no longer even on the screen. So your impact lasted 20 seconds. Mm -hmm. And what I found when I was going out and shooting and, and people, you know, music fans would come up to me and ask me about what I do and whatnot. And I would show them the site and they would go, oh my gosh. So I'll, I'll get to that. I'll come back to that. But so I said to the, so these people all said, well, if only there was one place you could go where you could find out everything that's happening. And I said, well, there is. And the room of, you know, 45 industry folks here in town were all looking in vain and said, well, eiclona.com. And, you know, every one of them pulled out their mobile devices and went there and they went, oh my gosh. I said, well, now click on this weekend button. And they clicked on it. And, and there's a page there where we show every single thing that's happening mm -hmm. in town at every venue on one page. So they don't have to, and, and to come back to, you know, talking to music fans, the frustration they were having is they'd go to Facebook group and they'd be trying to find everything. Yeah. Right? Looking, 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 scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. And, oh, that was something. 
Oh, that was three weeks ago. Scroll, scroll, scroll. Right. And they would tell me, you know, every single one of them, they would get so frustrated, they would just quit and do something else. Mm -hmm. That's the problem. Mm -hmm. um, so that's why I try and get people to eiclona.com mm -hmm. um, and, and get musicians involved in that and get venues involved in that. Some of them make it very easy for me to get their information, others less so. Um, but it is, in my view, you know, certainly a very good place to get all that information and also afterwards to get reviews and photos and all that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's why I do that. You know, I have a photography page, but it's not up to date. So uh, we, we need to address that soon. <laughs> you know, it's the, the challenge of um, spending all this time the last two years of really trying to get the word out there about so many artists and, and get those stories out there and those images out there. Is, yeah, it caused me to, to uh, neglect my own thing. As a player, as a photographer, as everything. Mm. Well, do you want a challenge? Oh, sure. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> Are you when you sit down with songs? Do you find that you're usually uh, like, what, like what kind of speed do you find that you write at, or if that's a consistent thing? Like, does it take you a while to kind of sit with a song to come through, or can you like, if you have an idea, can you really like pop it out? Well, for me, and this is going to sound very, very weird, but I'm a very weird guy. Um, <laughs> The, the last three songs that I've written that I really like all came to me in dreams. Mm -hmm. and, and I woke up in the middle of the night, pulled out my iPad and wrote them down, Boom. woke up in the morning and they were there. Amazing. And, um, and as, as a very short story around that, when I started hanging out with Chris and the band, Stephen Bruton and Donnie Fritz and Billy Swan and all those guys, um, and then after I, I wasn't hanging out with them so much anymore, um, and that's a whole long story in itself, uh, Every time I would I, I would have a dream about Chris coming to town, I would wake up and literally within a couple of days they'd be announced that he was coming to town. Like it was just weird. Like this shouldn't be happening, and it'd be a very vivid dream where you you know the sounds and and, and the you know, all of it would be in in the dream, and then that stopped after probably about fifteen years, and about uh, about ten years ago after my wife had died, I had had a very vivid dream, but this time instead of Chris it was Stephen Bruton in the dream. And in the dream, I was talking to Stephen and saying, man, I've been trying to finish this song for years and, and I, I just can't finish it. And we just got talking backstage and, and I would, you know, uh, he's writing down things in his, you know, tattered old papers and I'm writing down things and, and, you know, this, the dream ends and I wake up in the morning and all the lyrics are there hmm. and the song is complete. <laughs> like Michael, I don't know how that happens. <laughs> So is music a gift? Is writing a gift? Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, what, what I really, really got a kick out of about that particular song um, is uh, all so many of these, these lyrics that I, that I woke up with all sounded like things that Stephen would say, but I never heard him say any of those things. Right. That's pretty cool. <laughs> you know, like, like one of the lines is... Um, uh, there's no point in talking about things left unsaid. Like that's profound on so many levels. Mm -hmm. That so that's you know I can't take credit for something like that's gifted to me like, in, in a dream like that. So, um, so often the process for me is is that immediate. Um, okay. Other times I'll write a you know a title down and I'll come up with nothing for it for years, mm -hmm. and then one day I'll just go oh, okay. Now I get what that title's about, and I'll write the song. Um, someone like Sean Phillips, uh, you know, huge mentor of mine, as I mentioned earlier, 
when he starts writing, the first thing he'll do is he'll put himself in a room and he'll play every song he's ever written. Mm -hmm. Just to clear that. Mm -hmm. And then he says, once he starts writing a song, he won't leave the room until it's finished. Even if that takes a couple days, he <laughs> won't leave the room until it's finished. I don't have that kind of discipline. <laughs> right? Gordon Lightfoot, I mean, brilliant songwriter, Canadian songwriter, is notorious for, for the, the way that he goes back and edits and edits and edits until he gets the perfect melody, the perfect lyric, the perfect word, syllable by syllable. Mm. Um, I don't have that kind of discipline. I, I marvel at people that do. Well, everyone, it works differently, you know, it feels is ready to move through. Uh, I guess the, the, so there's a couple of things that come up. I definitely wanted to circle back to like, uh, I'd love, I'd love to hear what you would write in reference to thinking about what photography is for you. <laughs> That's one. Okay. Uh, the other one is kind of, I guess, a grouping of things. But when you think of people like Chris or people like Sean or people like all, all these people that you've been mentioning, like, have you ever written kind of Anything to do with either either about them or gratitude for them or just like something about what their impact has been in your life? In terms of in my writing? And in just your life. Oh, oh my gosh. I mean, I, I would have enjoyed zero of the experiences that I've enjoyed. And I've been blessed in so many ways and so many levels over so many years. It's staggering. Um, none of that would have happened without the photography to get me in the door. None of that would have happened without them welcoming me the way that they did instantaneously. Mm -hmm. like, like it was bizarre. And I was always, you know, in school and high school, I was always like the guy that nobody, you know, really liked. I was just too different from everybody else. And, and I often amused about how to me it seemed like everybody I knew was trying to be different but ended up being all the same. And I was just trying to just be the same <laughs> and ended up being so different. So, you know, that's, that's a whole other uh adventure to go on but no these people are all just gigantic influences and, and the debt of gratitude i have for them is is impossible to put into words um well here's the, i think what you i think you already kind of set it up for yourself it was like even if it i think it sounds like photography was kind of ground zero of this and and you said it like none of it would have happened that might be a neat idea to play with there you go there you go you know the, the song i mentioned you know that's well steven in that dream I mean, when, when I talk that song, I always dedicate it to, to Stephen and it, it is reference to him. You know, and, and it's actually a talking blues song and I've never in my life ever written a talking blues song. That's awesome. Right? But it's just because Chris has written many talking blues songs totally. and, and Stephen Bruton has a, I believe Stephen Bruton is at the same level of, as a writer or was because he's gone now uh, as Chris. I, I really do. And Chris is recognized as one of the greatest American songwriters of all time. Mm -hmm. um, so... Again, why was I gifted that ability to to move into those situations and and um, and you know made the decision to walk through those open doors, but yet you know you know as I look back on on what what could have been, I, I absolutely have to admit that my fear of success was greater than my fear of failure. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Fascinating. <laughs> yeah. Well, again, I've, I've always loved people know to listen to this podcast or have been in any of the workshops with me that, that if you, if, uh, well, does that, does that idea of that song, that kind of a song feel 
feel good for you to, whether it would be inspiring to write? You know, it will probably become something that, because now that you've verbalized it, um, it's going to stick in my brain until I write something on it. And I know I'm, I'm, you know, to be honest, I'm already getting thoughts blasting through my brain about it. So, well, the other uh, thing I usually throw, and I'm not sure if this is helpful or not for you, but uh, is there, is there like a by next time or something or by a time that you'd like to have that done by? <laughs> well, I've never been the kind of guy that could could do anything on a deadline. You know, <laughs> can, can I write on a deadline? Uh, you know, I can't. I honestly, truly can't answer that question, Michael. But but I will. I will let it roll around in my head. I mean, I I have so much appreciation of and respect for what you bring to the the family and the community of, of songwriters and singer songwriters and you know you know across the globe as, as your reaches. Um, yeah, I will definitely take that on board. <laughs> Yeah, well, that's what I ask because I, I, I like giving them out. A lot of people love them. There's, you know, some people don't. Some people just need the space and just the gentle nudge every once in a while, you know, and I think, yeah, I would love to hear it. And, and it feels like to me, like I'm excited to hear knowing where that comes from for you, mm. to hear what what kind of a song would come through you in with that in, as the fuel. So, yeah, that, that would be my challenge. There might be a story in there. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> Maybe even a song. Maybe. <laughs> maybe a song you love <laughs> maybe a song there you go <laughs> and why not write songs you love there you go cool well thanks so much for hanging out i've been looking forward to this for like a year <laughs> it's probably that long ago since i met you and uh knew we'd have a, a really fun conversation when it happens so. well thank you for inviting me and in. i am humbled and honored <laughs> fantastic all right wow Mr. Miles over, and that was a lovely hangout, and it was a pleasure to share it with all of you. Lots of great ideas there about what makes up a music scene, you know, and capturing capturing the essence of what's going on stage or what's going on when somebody else is sharing who they are with you. I loved Miles' questions of, you know, what are they showing me and why, and what aren't they showing me and why? What a cool cool question to ponder and to think about and and to then decide how you absorb that. What else here was a good thing? Oh yeah, just the, how much influences play into our growth and development and maybe one idea there that that Miles brought up there was like where, you know, where would I be without those influences? Or another way of looking at that would be where am I now because of these influences on my life. So lots of good deep thoughts. Miles is just one of those guys who puts you in that space and gets you thinking and I love him for it. So hope you all enjoyed listening to what he's up to and look forward to maybe some music of his being shared a little bit more often here in the future. So thanks for spending your time. Always appreciate your listening ears and stay tuned for some fun Write Songs You Love information coming up. We're going to have some new sessions of Level 2 Write Songs You Love, which in its own way is called Share Songs You Love. So for those of you who have taken Level 1, you are going to have an opportunity to jump into a new Level 2 if you would like. And if you'd like more information on that, feel free to get in touch. And otherwise, have a lovely rest of your day. child 
get old of her You couldn't wait to bust out of your stroller And get on the road Wasn't very long before you started walking Fell a bunch of times, but your parents, they caught you And all you remember is that you did it on your own That you did it all your own That you did it all Felt so proud thinking that you did it on your own You grew up pretty fast on your way to make your fortune Learned lots of lessons and lots of people told you that if you're gonna make it You better make it on your own So you killed yourself that you were better Pushed every button Pulled every lever All so you could say You did it on your own That you did it on your own That you did it all alone And you burned a lot of bridges Saying that you did it on your own Well you wanted all the credit You did anything to get it sold Fit to your soul To save a little pride Sooner or later You figured it out You would have landed in the gutter And without the help of others You'd be the help of others you'll be sitting there on your own nobody does it all their own nobody does it all alone without the help of others you'll be sitting there on your own without your mother and brother and your sister, all your teachers and your cousins, all the strangers on your journey who became your friends and lovers. You're all in this together, nobody does it on their own. 